0: Was there really an internet game that encouraged its players to commit suicide? And can magic help you get the life you've always dreamed of today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to Dead Rabbit Radio. My name is Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. Episode 72. This is crazy. That it's actually lasted this long, and not to be fair, no, 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 not that it's lasted this long, but that I've kept doing it this long, it's awesome, I'm very, very uh, proud of myself, we're actually, do- which, you know, you should always be proud of yourself, but we're actually doing great, thank you so much for everyone who's downloading the show, listening to it, it's, it's doing, it's phenomenal, we are hitting the tipping point where now it's just getting subscribers and getting new downloads every day. So I appreciate that. And really, that plays into our second story. So I currently have a friend who's having a trouble with mice in her house. Now, I'm not going to say who it is because she she would beat me up. But, you know, the the traditional answer is you have mice in your house. People say, we'll get a cat. Cat will eat the mice or cats, however many mice you have. Apparently, she has a lot. That actually works with other species as well. I used to eat a ton of rice. Pounds and pounds of rice. It's really cheap, and it's filling, and I love it, and I always like mix it with chili or Taco Bell or whatever. Turns, It's basically just a filler food. What I didn't know was that in rice... And correct me if I'm wrong, I probably am. I don't know if this is exactly where they came from, but in rice, there are little bugs called rice weevils, like eggs, basically. So, if you... And again, people are like, that's not how it works, Jason. That's not how it works. But this is what I was told happens. If you cook rice and don't eat all of it, and you let it sit out for a while, the rice weevil eggs hatch. And so you get these little bugs that fly around your apartment. Now, that sequence of events happened quite often, where I would cook rice and wouldn't eat all of it. I would leave the bowl out. And these bugs, these little rice weevils, began to infest not this apartment... This was years and years ago. I don't want people going, I'm never coming over to your apartment again, Jason. Anyway, so I'd get these rice weevils flying around. Yeah, yeah, you, like they pretty much limit themselves to the kitchen or wherever there was rice before. Maybe they show up to eat the rice. I don't know. That's not the point. Anyways, I had rice weevils everywhere. And then one summer, the rice weevils were gone. But my, clean, my uh, sanitary habits didn't change. So I was like, huh, hmm, I wonder where all those rice weevils at. But I had an infestation of ants. Not an infestation, but I had a lot of ants in my kitchen. Because, again, not cleaning up. And so I was like, oh, man, I got all these ants. Oh, man, I just, no peace, of course. I could have just cleaned up. But it's like, what am I going to do with all these ants? So finally, I got some bug spray or just cleaned them up. I think I, I just, like, mass extermination of all these ants. And then maybe, like, a couple days later, a week later, The rice weevils came back. And I thought, wait a second. The ants, the rice weevils were here. The ants showed up. There was no more rice weevils to get rid of the ants. Rice weevils show back up. So then I realized that the ants must have been eating the weevils. So what I did, again, rather than clean up, I coaxed a bunch of ants into my apartment by leaving sugar out for them and lollipops and candy the ants showed up in droves, never had another rice weevil problem. Now, when I say rice weevil problem, let me tell you this story for an example. I was dating a girl at the time. <laughs> she was over at the apartment, and she was complaining about something or whatever. I'm sitting on the couch, and she's just like, yeah, that, that, that and she had something in her hand, and she hit the top of the trash can so like the lid would pop down to throw the thing away. She's looking at me because she's complaining to me about something, and she hits the top of the can and she drops the thing into the garbage can, and right when the can lids open, a bowling ball size of rice weevils just silently flew out of the garbage can. I was almost expecting them to make the shape of a mallet and hit her on the head. It was like a cartoon amount size of rice weevils and they just flew right by her if she had seen them it would have been over right there absolutely she would have crucified me and broke up with me which technically happened later on but the i saw it like and my eyes go wide because i'm thinking if she just turns slightly to her left she is going to piss her pants And they just fly up and then they just kind of like are buzzing around the ceiling. They're happy they finally got free of their garbage can jail. And she didn't see them. But so that was the level of rice weevil infestation. So I ended up coaxing the ants in. They took care of the rice weevils. And then as a reward to them, I built them an amusement park. I built them a little, I built the ants like this little like walkway. And then I had like this little thing of rubbing alcohol. And it was like, if they fall on that, they die. So that's not really an amusement, but it was amusement to me. And I built, like, these little bridges they could walk across, and I put sugar everywhere so they could eat it. I love ants now. I don't have them anymore, sadly enough. Well, I guess that's good, but I always liked watching them, like, eat stuff. And be like, put out a lollipop, and then you'd see them eat little, little holes through them and stuff like that. So thank you, ants, for giving me entertainment and saving me from rice weevils. Let's go ahead and get started with the episode. So... This is an interesting story because there's a lot of disagreement over whether or not it's real, which isn't surprising on the internet. But for the amount of impact this has had, it is weird. And what we're going to talk about here is the Blue Whale game. Now, the Blue Whale game started back in 2017, 2016, 2015, actually. So started back in, say, 2015. And what that is in, in an overview, an umbrella view of the Blue Whale game, you it is a series of 50 tasks that get increasingly more dark and violent so the first i finally found the list it took me forever and see again there's not a ton of concrete information on this so we're going to go over a couple of the the quick we're going to quickly go over a couple of these tasks so day one you're supposed to carve a phrase on your arm day two you wake up at 4:20 and you watch a scary video you just keep going through you just have Overcome a fear, you write an online status on social network about being a whale. You listen to music that the curator sends. And so what it is is that you sign up for to be part of this blue whale game and you get an advisor and they walk you through these 50 tasks. And if you don't complete them, you get like berated, like you're not doing these fast enough. Where's that picture of that guy's name carved on your arm and stuff like that? And and the end result is kill yourself. And some of these tasks are set up to overcome objections to killing yourself like climb up a crane go to the edge of a bridge stand on the edge of a building and basically it's baby steps to get you to that point now supposedly it started in russia so it's been linked to like hundreds of suicides and there was all these it was an international thing governments were saying parents you have to monitor your kids social network there's this game going around that's taking young vulnerable depressed kids and talking them into committing suicide there are people online who are trying to get your kids to commit suicide um one of like egyptians former government officials his son killed himself they believe it was linked to this game they had a big outbreak in india the biggest was in russia where they're having a ton of these and what's weird is the pushback was, no, this is a modern day witch hunt. This is just like the satanic panic of the 80s, which is where, you know, supposedly everything was everything that went wrong was saint worshiping. And you could play albums backwards and there are preschools with Satan worshipers running them. And that's almost like a t- its own episode. But it's kind of like this moral panic. The, the pushback was none of these suicides because kids were killing themselves. The question was, is it linked to the blue whale game? And they can never find, according to the online sources, they can never find definitive proof. What we know in this time period is kids were killing themselves, which is nothing new, unfortunately. And that there were websites dedicated to getting people to kill themselves. The question was, were the two things linked? So there was a really interesting article written in Cosmo where a young female reporter went undercover pretending to be an even younger female. And she got a hold of one of these groups because it wasn't incredibly hard. And she met a guy who was saying, you know, follow these steps. Why aren't you doing these things? And it's an it's an interesting read because she talks about kind of the mental anguish she was going through. Because she was going in as an undercover reporter. But the way he kind of groomed her actually was making her feel depressed and lonely and things like that. Now, again, the pushback is none of this stuff is linked. None of this stuff is linked. In Russia, they arrested a man. They arrested him For inventing this game, basically. And he was being held on charges of inciting suicide. And he's like, oh, these people want to die and I'm just cleansing society. They're biological waste, which is funny because that's a lot like we talked about yesterday with Satoshi Umamatsu. He figures he's doing the world a favor. And again... The pushback, the debunking is, oh, there's really no proof this guy was arrested. That was first reported in this tabloid-type website and things like that. It's totally made up. It's overblown. What I honestly think is going on, it doesn't surprise me there are people out there trying to talk other people into committing suicide. Maybe it's their fetish. Maybe it's a power move. Maybe it's their way of being a serial killer. I think the pushback is the thing saying this isn't true, these kids are just unfortunately killing themselves, it's not linked. I think the pushback is coming from, and this is my conspiracy, coming from tech companies. If the governments of the world could prove a conclusive link between Facebook, between Instagram, between uh, Twitter, and a suicide game that's causing hundreds of kids to kill themselves, it was like 230 kids or something like that, you would see massive regulation on those sites. Massive they would say, Facebook, you have to vet every single comment that comes online because people are dying because of it. So what would Facebook and Google do? They would basically lobby to say, this isn't true. They're going to favor search results that are like, well, there's no conclusive link. They're going to favor stories where they're like, yeah, but you know, this didn't really happen this way and we think it's just a a made up thing and and this didn't happen and this didn't happen because otherwise they would their survival would be in jeopardy if you, if the governments and again moral panics do happen and stuff can get overregulated because of that but if the governments of the world could prove these things are actually happening these sites would be shut down i think this is i think that I believe that people are still enticing young people to kill, each, kill themselves online. And I believe that young kids are doing it. And I believe it's a problem. And I believe it's a problem that's being covered up. Because there's just way too much at stake to let that information get out. We're already talking about regulating Facebook and Google because they're demoting conservative websites. Could you imagine if we could prove that they were encouraging suicide? Or not necessarily encouraging it, but not stopping it. That people were using their sites... For young kids to kill themselves. It would be a disaster. Absolute disaster. So we'll see. Again, it's a—it's an odd story. There's tons of articles on it. But all of them say there's no conclusive link. And maybe there isn't. Could also be that, you know, when a young person takes their life, family is all, always going to look for answers. And maybe it's the easy answer to go, oh, they were coaxed online, part of this blue whale game. But again, I think the truth may be half in the middle. Even if half the kids was linked to this group. That's still a problem. And it's a problem that would need to be addressed. I'm not a huge fan of Facebook and Google, honestly. But I just think that's an interesting story. Now it's kind of come back with the Momo challenge, which is kind of the same thing. It's this creepy figure that encourages kids to commit suicide. So the the game is still going on. It just will change its name. And because these creeps are always out there. The next story we're going to talk about is far more uplifting. So I don't want to end on that one. When I was about 18 or 19, I got this design in my head i was really into metaphysical stuff back then and i remember i saw this image and it wasn't magical it wasn't like it was floating in front of me in fire and talking to me and enochian or anything like that It was just this glyph i got in my head can't really explain it i can draw it easily and it was basically when i saw it i knew what it was it was the symbol of my life I was like, that's my. That's how my life will be charted out. That's the symbol of my life. And I knew about sigils and things like that. So a sigil is basically an inscribed, I'm reading the definition here, is an inscribed or painted symbol considered to have magical power. So it's basically like a design that is infused with magic, magical thought, magical vibration. So I, I had this image in my head and I've drawn it out. I, People who know me may have seen it on me before and usually I draw it when I'm bored. But it's always been very comforting to me. Because it's a symbol of hope and it shows the good times and the bad times in my life. kind of just charts the whole thing out. And I'll, I'll see if I can draw a picture of it and throw it up online. I need a scanner. But it, so that was, I had that sigil. What's interesting, so then we're going to skip ahead to what the story is about. Is not the magical drawings, but something known as a hyper sigil. So a hyper sigil is not just a drawing of a symbol, a magical symbol. But it is a living magical work. It is basically a sigil that has its own, it's a sigil in story form, I guess is a good way to put it. People have made hyper sigils out of things like poems, of comic books is a really popular one, movies and things like that. And what it is, is it it is basically taking your life and turning it into a narrative. You live the hyper sigil. Grant Morrison is a comic book writer. He's very, very well known in the comic book community. Not real name recognition, but he had a comic book that came out quite a while ago called The Invisibles. You probably know it better as The Matrix, because The Matrix ripped off a lot of the plot, the overall plot of The Invisibles. But for him, The Invisibles was his hyper-sigil. He, To him, that's his sigil. That is the life he wanted, and he lived through the story of the comic book, and he he said, I wanted to live in a glam, futuristic world, so I created a glam, futuristic world and enveloped myself around it, and now I'm living the life I've always wanted to live. Now, sure, being a successful comic book author is part of that, because he has the money to buy those things, but you create... and th- So imagine what your life is like right now. Now I want you to imagine if going forward you had to cut a movie trailer for your future life. So you're where you're at right now, but you go, you know what? I want to be this. I want my life to have these elements. I want it to be exciting or exotic or or passionate or dangerous. Imagine a movie trailer of you waking up tomorrow the life you want. Imagine a story, a narrative, where you are the main character and really... Put your mental thought into that. You are creating a hyper sigil by doing that. I've done that with Dead Rabbit. When I was putting up flyers for the show, I imagined, I go, this would be a scene in the trailer for this story of my life. Of me just going out and doing the groundwork to get this ball rolling. I remember specifically thinking that as I put the flyer up on the community board. I thought, this is a scene in the trailer of the story of Dead Rabbit Radio. This is me taking that first step to get it known to the wider public. And that's how I live my life. I've created this narrative for me. I've created this character that is me. When people meet me in real life or people who know me listen to the podcast, they're like, ugh, it's just like talking to you. But at the same time, Dead Rabbit is part of a separate space, part of like a magical thought space, a, a future that I want, and that's how I envision it. I put my hyper sigil is dead rabbit and I think about it and I put it out there and it come it it that's the weird thing it it works it absolutely works if the show fell apart tomorrow you could argue it didn't work and I'd say yeah there was a you know convergence of factors and something happened the show couldn't continue but that's not going to happen the show's going to keep growing and growing and growing because I've seen those parts of the trailer. I've already lived those parts of that story. I may get curveballs. I may get plot twists that I don't see coming, but the overall story is the same. If you listen to the early episodes, and I I don't know if I necessarily said it on the episodes. I'm pretty sure I did. I did say it in real life. I would tell people, we're going to wait 50 episodes, and then we're going to, Take a, then we're going to evaluate the show and see where we're going to do that in the future. Just two episodes ago, I was talking about five years from now on the show. Like, this is the growth of the show over the next five to 10 years. Like, I've, you, I keep fixing that narrative to go farther and farther into the future. I don't want to preach to you guys, but I think this works. And I think this can work for everybody. And the beauty of it is, it's free. There's no seminar you have to go to. There's no book you have to buy. I will say this, all the information I've given you on hypersigils is kind of all the stuff that I've found. There is this quote, and this is a quote from Grant Morrison. This is how he defined hypersigils. The hypersigil, or supersigil, develops the sigil concept beyond the static image and incorporates elements such as characterization, drama, and plot. The hypersigil is a sigil extended through the fourth dimension, My own comic book series, The Invisibles, was a six-year-long sigil in the form of an occult adventure story which consumed and recreated my life during the period of its composition and execution. The hyper-sigil is an immensely powerful and sometimes dangerous method for actually altering reality in accordance with intent. Results can be remarkable and shocking. You don't have to believe me. It sounds completely foolish. I think it works. I've seen it work. Is it possible? We talked about this with the Despair Code episode, too. You know, you hear stuff like The Secret, which is... I've looked into The Secret. Positive thinking is definitely good. There is actually an older book from the late 1800s called The Science of Getting Rich. And you think it's a book about, like, how to do well in business. It's a book about the metaphysics of gaining property and money. And it is fascinating. It's, it predates this, obviously, and it's basically that the universe is full of a formless substance. And when you think of becoming wealthy, the universe wants to provide to you that wealth. But you got to work for it. It's super bizarre. Basically, the premise of the book is there are no natu- a limitation on natural resources. There is no limitation of money. Anyone who wants money can get it, but not just through hard work you also have to visualize yourself becoming wealthy. And the uh, uh, William Waddles, I think, or Wallace Waddles wrote it, it's fascinating because he goes, you can have two hard workers next to each other and one person is rich and one person is poor. You can have two people with the same business, one person is rich, one person is poor. Two houses on the street, one person is rich, one person is poor. And he's like, if it was strictly because of socioeconomic factors or strictly because of the business you are in, everyone on that street should be poor, everyone in that business should be poor, or, reversely, everyone on the street should be rich, everyone in that business should be rich. He said the people who are wealthy are the people who already believe that they're wealthy, and they act accordingly, and the universe recognizes them, living that life, and then rewards them with it. It's really bizarre. And it it has, the guy, the author was a, like, a Christian socialist, And it has this weird Christian theme running through it. And basically, it's like God, the universe, everything wants you to be wealthy because you can't truly live life if you're poor. That's almost its own episode. But, I mean, again, I think that it, your thoughts dictate your reality. And you go, well, Jason, what about the kid living in the Sudan? You know, his hypersigil could just be to get a meal the next day. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. The same reason why I can never answer the question like, why would a god or any higher deity let children die of cancer? I don't know. But I do think that there is a power to your thought. And if you can create a new reality around it, just try it. That's what I would say. And again, the beauty of like a system like this, you don't, you're not, no one's selling you anything. It just simply exists. I know it works for bodybuilders. If you talk to any bodybuilder, Arnold Schwarzenegger, any of those guys, they'll say, I visualized myself being muscular, and that is how I got to this point. Uh, Well, let me rephrase that. They also had to lift a shit ton of weights. But if you're just lifting weights and you're not visualizing yourself, you haven't created that story. You're not living that character as a monster of a human. You're just lifting your weights. There's a disconnect between the mental and the physical. Imagine your life as a movie. Create a plot around your life. Think of that. Focus on that. And see what happens. I could be wrong. But I think hyper-sigils work. And if they do, and we have the ability to reshape our own lives, you could say, well, Jason, I want to be a superhero. I want to fly around a building. Can I use a hyper-sigil for that? I don't know. I don't know. I do have a theory about that, though, actually. I think that if that was, if you really, really wanted to be a superhero and you imagined every day you becoming a superhero, again, I have no proof of this, but I think that you would basically create an alternate reality where you were a superhero. You would still live in our reality, and I wouldn't, like, if my best friend every day wished he was a superhero, and he created this hyper-sigil where he could fly around, I think, in theory, in my reality, he would still be Joey. But an alternate reality would open up where he got superpowers. Does that sound insane? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does this whole thing sound insane? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not, like I said, I'm not selling you anything. And I don't really know. I believe that it works. I've seen it work for me. But if I'm wrong and a bunch of people want to say that was your dumbest story ever. Because you're trying to convince me that... If I tell myself a story, it'll come true. What do you have to lose if you don't do it? Like I said, the only thing you're losing is time and thought process, which we're going to spend anyways. I have said this before, I will sit at home and I will imagine getting new listeners to the podcast. But at the same time, I have to work on my podcast every single day. I think that's part of it too. I think part of the hyper sigil is you create the life you want in your head. But if the life in your head is to be a Major League Baseball player, you got to practice. You got to put that work in. That's kind of what Wallace Waddles was saying too. If I sat around and said I want to be a super successful podcaster and release an episode once a month, that's not going to work. But I put in the work to do the podcast. I was up till four in the morning recording stuff yesterday. And then in my free time, I imagine the future I'm going to have with this podcast. Hypersigils. It's on the conspiracy iceberg. And it may be one of the truest things on there, honestly. We'll find out. Let me know how they work for you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. One of my hypersigils is not to be infested with ants, by the way. Should put that out there.